Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains. Hello and welcome to the 305th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at Hawk Blogger. And excited to have the second half of our free agent conversation tonight. Last week, we talked about offensive side of the, the ball. We talked about priorities on that side of the ball for the Seahawks. And we talked about some of the free agents available. That took a while. And so we're going to talk about the defensive side because there's actually quite a few interesting uh, players to think about. And to do that, as well as discuss some of the news coming out of the NFL scouting combine, we bring in Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter and uh, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons. Dana, it's been a while, I feel like. How are you doing? It has been a while. Good. I even had a couple people reach out to me last week. They're like, are you doing that anymore? Yes. Um, I had some um, things, some personal things that I needed to take care of and and uh, have just been kind of busy. But now back in the swing of it, I feel like I've missed so much, right? Because we've talked about this. I completely... <laughs> missed when they announced the coach and then I had to come back and get in there and, and and try and get caught up and then the coaches were coming so fast and now it's the combine and I feel like I'm a little bit behind but I I think Jeff agrees with me on this this is one of my favorite times of year of football it's just so fun because there's just nothing but opportunity out in front of you so it's gonna be it's gonna I hope it's a good off season fingers crossed yeah it, it's it's been it's been kind of a confusion. Actually, most of the, the offseason has made sense. There's been one thing in particular that I think has confounded all of us. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Before we do, let me bring in Jeff Simmons. Jeff, uh, you're dealing with all sorts of stuff going on at your house. And so I appreciate you finding a way to, to join been the show. Interesting. How, uh, how are you and your, uh, your lovely and wife doing? At the beginning of January, they're finally dealing with the insurance company. Uh, actually, Evan helped me out with that a little bit. And... We're finally getting everything fixed and things are moving smoothly, but because our basements where one of our bathrooms are and we're, I've been living at my parents' house who are away on vacation. So I don't have my usual stuff. There's a movie poster from like the 1970s on my, over my back. Sometimes you might see me with like a Beatles poster in the background. <laughs> this is not my house. 
yeah, listen, it's a Robert De Niro movie. Like, I'm not going to complain, but like, Taxi Driver's awesome. Don't worry about it. I usually do my <laughs> podcast is like full of like jerseys and like Sopranos posters. <laughs> That's a little different, but I'm here. I need, I need, our thread's been really interesting lately. I feel like every time I'm on Twitter now, I'm in like an argument with someone about something weird. So there's a lot to talk about. Yes, we definitely do. Um, uh, getting a little bit of an echo. So Jeff, can you just double check that you've got your settings to have have your headphones as your speaker? Um, not sure what's going on, but just want to double check. So let's get into the NFL Combine part of this. And uh, one of the conversations that has started to emerge is the same one that we've been having seemingly all off season since at least the the Mike McDonald hiring it's this it's this Geno Smith deal uh Geno Smith and Drew Locke and uh as I bring on Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 uh yeah Jeff we're getting real feedback so maybe maybe we'll just not do the headphones yeah Still getting feedback, so I'm not sure where that's coming from. Anyone else hearing that? Yeah, I hear it. Okay. Nathan, if you unmute, I'm curious if we get it back. All right. All right. Let's let's try let's try now. See how it goes. So John Schneider has been making the rounds on being interviewed at the Combine and Okay, we're getting it back again. Sorry, we're gonna have to try to troubleshoot this in real time. Uh, apologies, folks, for, for the folks that are listening. Um, Jeff, I guess I'll go to you. Oh, Jeff's gone. This is fun. We're doing great so far, guys. This is what works well when we all show up right at the last second and don't test anything. All right, so um, Dana, I'm coming back to you because you're the one person I can trust on the audio visual right now. <laughs> Um, and Nathan, if you can mute, um, that would be great. So Dana, we've had John Schneider make the rounds. He's been on all these interviews mm -hmm. and he continues to promote Drew Locke. He talks about Drew Locke. He talks about him first. He talks about him despite the fact he's a free agent, he talks about wanting him back. And he has been much less clear cut about Geno Smith, uh, at least from my perspective, um, it's definitely gotten a lot of attention on Twitter, um, from various sides and, and media. What's your take on what's going on there? Um, you know, the interesting thing too, is that it was actually a Patreon question, um, that I'm going to go find it, um, from Sean Pyle. I have them all pulled up and he's like, is it possible that John Snyder thinks Drew is better than Gino, even in a vacuum? I mean, like, seriously, we, the whole thing is just so strange. We've known for a long time, right. That John Snyder has this thing. For Drew Locke. He, he just thinks, I think that he's could be an elite level quarterback or something. I don't know. He just won't let it go. Um, and when Drew Locke came in this year, he played fine. He played great. He was just a backup and that was whatever. But then in his interview, I know you guys have all heard it, where he was like, well, he got really sick in preseason when he was trying to, you know, get the, the, um, the starting position and, and he just couldn't get his legs back. And it was like, are, are you making excuses for Drew Locke not 
actually being able to get this. It was so strange. And even if you prefer one over the other, Gino obviously won that, right? He won it. He's played well. He's done what he's wanted to do. But it does seem a little strange. And then the comment of Gino is our starter until he's not. What the hell does that mean? And I said this in our group chat, and I and I really believe this. I don't believe a thing that comes out of anybody's mouth during the combine week. I, you don't believe a single word that comes out of any GM, head coach, anybody's mouth, because it's just all chess moves. It's all to play the game, to see who can get what for where. But I do think that it definitely has left at least a big enough question mark around the quarterback position that we're all dying to now know what they think is going to happen. I'm very opinionated that I think we need Gino for at least one more year. I don't think that I have been quiet about that, but I just find it fascinating that of everything you're going to build up Drew Locke. It's not like they can trade him. He's a free agent. Jeff, we're going to try coming back to you and see if uh, how audio works this time. So as Dana said, John's had a couple opportunities and, and in various points, he's talked about Gino being on the team and being the starter until he's not, and then said, he's clearly going to be on the team. And then really kind of implied that drew lock got hosed in, in the real competition through getting COVID and that the coaches instilled a lot of confidence in Gino and he took off after that. And and it just even when he was asked about his quarterback room, he started with Drew Locke and then even today and then mentioned Gino second. Is this all about nothing or is there is it do you think it's odd that he keeps bringing up Drew Locke as much as he has? And if so, why? Why is he doing that? It's incredibly odd. He's a backup quarterback about to hit free agency. <laughs> Typically, when you want to sign a free agent. You tend to downplay them in the media and you typically like if I'm Locke's agent, I'm just like collecting all those quotes and I'm going to use it against them next week when they start negotiating. So it's incredibly odd. We saw Pete Carroll do the same thing a couple of years ago with Geno Smith when Russ had just got traded and we were all like, why? Like, what, what are you doing? That actually ended up working out, but it's been odd because they've mentioned him and McDonald's mentioned him in every interview. I think it's pretty clear just looking at like John's history of quarterbacks and we've seen them acquire a guy like Charlie Whitehurst, who was like the toolsy guy that didn't really have like the requisite like ability to read a defense. Like I see a lot of similarities between Locke and Whitehurst and John's has a type and Gino is not necessarily a John type of guy. So it's just been weird the way they downplayed. And then even yesterday when we were talking about Gino, he was just like, well, all you guys made a big deal about me like moving the bonus. Like we're obviously going to keep them. My read, and I think Derek tweeted this, I think they do want to trade him. I think they would like to trade him, even though that bonus thing would make it harder on them to trade him because they had that clear date of the, like the fifth day after the free agency. But my read is they do want to trade him. I've been saying it to you all. Like, I don't see the market where you'd get a return. The quarterback market is so interesting this year because there's so many interesting prospects there's so many teams that there's going to be guys who hit free agency there. Like Kirk Cousins is going to hit free agency. That'll interest a couple teams. Justin Fields, if anyone other than Chicago had number one pick, Justin Fields would not be an option. They'd just keep him. He's available. Russell, because of his contract and the offset, he might be available at the league minimum to stiff it to Denver. So you've got all these teams. Like where does Geno fit in? I can't see the fit. So 
I'm scratching my head. John's gone on like every media show possible. He did Mike Florio, Josina Anderson. I think it was Nathan who said like he's really enjoying this. <laughs> he went all out. So I'm left scratching my head because a like it's pretty clear he's got a pretty clear blind spot for Drew Locke. But overall, I'm not as worked up because I get the feeling I don't know. I think they really want to draft the guy, and I think they're trying to maybe try to hedge this, and they're maybe overthinking this. I don't think John Gino or Locke is probably their long-term starter, but man, it's been weird. It has not been a good vibes for the team after all, like the good coaching stuff. It's been like every time you hear John talk about Locke, you, you just cringe a little. It's been I know Brian struggled. It's been rough. Nathan, let's give you another shot. See if uh, uh, we can get this audio without. Oop! Already we're getting some crackling. Yes, yes. So maybe try quitting and coming back, and we'll see if if that fixes the connection. Um, sorry, folks that are dealing with our our AV. We're 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 doing our best. Um. So, like like you said, Jeff, I, I let's say that they get like a, a fourth round pick. I mean that that might be the level of compensation. You know, a third. I, even then, I'm just I still don't know who's making the trade, but. It seems so odd to be working that hard to pay Drew Locke more than he would have made if we weren't making this big push. Trade away a guy that's played well for you to get a draft pick that's not going to be that high. If it's really a we're doing this at all costs to have drew lock be our guy. And then we're going to draft a guy. It just feels like a lot of weird effort put into something that should be pretty straightforward. Gino's already under contract. He's under a team favorable contract. He's overplayed that contract and draft a rookie. Then you're good, right? Like it's not, it's not a complicated thing. So it's this weird obsession with drew lock that is making it making it a thing. Um, and I, am I right that they could keep Gino for another year and trade him next year if they wanted or cut him next year because he's still going to be on a relatively team-friendly friend, deal. And if Gino comes back this year and plays really well, I think he'd actually have more value, Dana, than he does right now, not to mention the fact that next year's QB draft class is supposed to be weak. Yeah. So it just feels it's illogical. Confusing. Yeah, it's illogical. And so you think about it, and and I I I've been pounding the drum on this. I will be livid if Seattle moves up, spends a ridiculous amount of capital players, whatever, to move up to get a quarterback. And the reason I say that is because the quarterback room is not the biggest problem on the team. It's not even the second, third, or fourth biggest problem on the team. So I would hate for them to get wrapped up in that. Now, I know a lot of people really want a new quarterback. Yes, they need to draft a quarterback. I just don't want them to jump, right? I don't want them to do something stupid. When you have Geno on such a friendly contract, and I think his cap hit only goes up, what, $5 million next year. And so it's not even going to be that much more next year. Let him play. Let him, you know, use that to your advantage. It's not like he's not been a solid quarterback for you. You get rid of Geno. Let's say you get a rookie who sucks. What, then you're stuck with Drew Locke, who has not won a position anywhere, 
has lost his starting job. And, you know, so I don't understand. It's illogical. It makes more sense to maybe wait. Perfect example. Everyone keeps saying the quarterbacks aren't good next year. I will tell you, I have no idea if they're any good next year because I think I feel like they say that every year. But, <laughs> and then by the next year, they're amazing again, right? But and the thing of it is, is that unless you plan on selling the farm for one of the top quarterbacks, there is no logical reason to try and trade or get rid of Geno when you know what you're getting with him and how consistent that is. All right, Nathan, we're going to do this again. Big moment. Okay, so far so good. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. <laughs> we've, been, we've been keeping on this topic for a little while, so you get a chance to say something about it. Before we move off of it, any logical thread you see here about why? Um, strategy to why this has been going on? Uh, I mean, I guess there's a few different, like, uh, I mean, there's lots of different reasons, right? Like, uh, one, he could be talking up the QBs they have to try to fool other teams. He could be talking up Locke because he's hoping to trade Gino, but doesn't know if he can. So he's kind of trying to string Locke along. Um, he could just like Drew Locke, maybe. Uh, and it's something to talk about that isn't anything that matters. Um, I don't know. There's, I'm not letting myself get upset about it yet. Uh, it's weird, but there's so many different ways that this can still go that until like Gino is traded and they sign lock and that's like the plan I'm trying to, uh, remain calm. Yeah. I, I feel mostly just perplexed is, 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 is the way I'm, I'm left. And I'm sitting there thinking it, it also just goes against John's MO. He hasn't mentioned Jordan Brooks at all. He hasn't mentioned Leonard Williams all but one time as an aside. And like, it was basically like, yeah, we, we gave up something. So we'd like to just like in the um, Jamal trade, we'd like to, you know, sign the guy is all he said about Leonard Williams. Both of those guys are significantly better and significantly more important than Drew Locke. Like they're not even in the same vicinity and they're getting no pub. And that's normal for John because of what Jeff said, you're not going to talk up the guys that you're trying to sign who are going to be generating market. Like it's just, anyway, we won't keep on this, but it is, it has been very weird. And, and it's the only thing out of what has been a mostly very, you know, logical, great um, season, um, off season so far. I think a GM this time of year wants you to be confused. Um, once you spend a lot of time thinking about something weird and trying to figure it out and not paying attention to what they probably really want to do. Um, and so that's probably the most obvious explanation here. Yes. Well, whatever the case, uh, let's, let's move on. And uh, Dana, if you wouldn't mind, let's do some patron questions um, before we get into free agency, because that will take the balance of the time. Um, and if you haven't already, folks, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, sign up, get immediate access to the Slack channel. You can ask us questions as well. And the conversation has just been buzzing throughout the offseason. So really great. And proceeds go to charity. Uh, over $260,000 have been donated so far. You can be part of that as well. And while you're at it, give the show a like, uh, click subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we go live. All right, Dana, mm -hmm. where do you want to start? Well, I think that this is a good one. 
It's a nice little joke. And so it's by Faz that does it. Hi, guys. I've just woken up from being in cryogenic freezing for the past two months. Just wondering if anyone knows if the 49ers won the Super Bowl or not. That's just to make us all smile just a little bit. So thank you very much for that. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. Cold ones. Um, this feels like a spot where Snyder would trade back to acquire more draft capital. Uh, with how top heavy this class is, would it be a mistake to trade back from 16 or does it depend who's left on the board? Jeff, what do you think? I'm very pro trading back from 16. I think the thing about this draft is the top half of it, especially the first round there. Every time we've gone like one of these mocks, we're left with like six to eight guys that are just in there. Like I would be happy with either of them. And then the, it really, it's really commented by the fact that they don't have a second round pick. The Leonard Williams trade, obviously if they don't sign them, that looks like a disaster. But the fact that every time we do a mock, there's just a giant gap from 16 to I think like 73 or whatever they are. And to not have that gap just to pick one guy over the other, I think unless there's like someone huge with a huge grade falls down the board, like Earl Thomas did that, that first draft, mm-hmm. I think they, they almost have to trade back unless – and it's harder to get through a scenario where they don't trade back. And the goal is to try to get into that second round because it's just such a hole on their draft board right now. Anyone think differently? No. No. Nope. Okay. All right. So let's go. Um, Brian, I'm going to give this one to you from Troy Fagan. What's your max on a Jordan Brooks contract? Um, it's interesting with Brooks because I've seen two years, 24 million, and I've seen four years, 40 million <clears throat> from two different sources. And the two years is is kind of nice because it's only two years, but the ten million a year at four years, which you're probably not going to actually see the full contract, is appealing as well. So, given those two choices, I think somewhere in the the longer, like the four year deal, would be nice. Um, and with the ability to get out after three, um, or ideally even after two, Brooks is a guy with with injury history and injury issues. So I think that with, with way the cap is right now, I think paying him around 10 million is something that would feel like 8 million before. And I think that's roughly what I'm comfortable with for him. But I, I wouldn't go, I certainly wouldn't go over 12 and I'm even pretty uncomfortable doing that. Um, I think that there are, we'll talk about it tonight. There are some, I think pretty interesting free agent linebackers that could cost significantly less. And there's a few drafted linebackers or linebackers in the draft that are pretty interesting. So yeah, 10 to 12 is probably my top for Jordan Brooks. And that's only if Mike McDonald's like, that's my guy. If he wants, absolutely wants exactly. him, right. So to go along that line, Nathan, I'm going to shoot this to you. Um, Cold one said, you can only keep two Jordan Brooks, Leonard Williams, Bobby Wagner, Michael Jackson, or Daryl Taylor. You can keep two of them. Who do you keep? The only two that are like actual starters in the league? <laughs> Leonard Williams and Jordan Brooks? That's uh, yeah. I'm like, we keep both. I'd be totally down. Uh, oh, that's such an easy one. only keep two of those players, yeah. Yeah, I think that those, those are good too. All right, so um is it possible this is from oh sorry i already read that one earlier so mark zuck does it make sense to trade either walker or charbonneau charbonnet excuse me for a third rounder 
and use it on a position that has higher needs, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna do that trade, you gotta do it. I don't think I don't think anyone's trading for a back for a third rounder right now. Uh, we've seen what's happening. Like, do you know many free agent backs are out there right now? Yeah, so like many. this is the work. Like I talked about with quarterbacks, supply and demand dictates trades mode everything. This is like a stacked free agent board with Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, uh, Tony Pollard, all kinds of guys, Devin Singletary, all kinds of guys. So no one's going there and paying for a running back when you, or you can just draft someone in the third round. Uh, we talked about why you don't draft running backs. If you want to talk about trade value or league wide value, I don't think, I don't think you can even get a fourth for any of those guys. Yeah. And you know, the way Seattle hurts their running backs are used to, it's always good to have an extra round if you ask me. Pete so, is gone. Right. Deep breaths. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. So this one is, um, from Anaxum, I think is what it says. People keep mocking Jackson Powers Johnson to us at 16. In your opinion, did um, Olutu, Olu Watimi really underperform that much for us to spend our highest draft pick to move on from him, Brian? I think this is an interesting one. I don't believe that the C, for, there's a lot of reasons I don't believe the Seahawks will go center maybe in this entire draft and certainly in the first few rounds, even though there are actually two or three centers that are vying for first round status. So there's some pretty high quality centers in this draft. Schneider has never valued the position. He made a pick last year. Uh, they seem to like that pick last year. There's every reason to think that, I mean, Olu didn't play poorly. He wasn't great, but he didn't play poorly. And you have to think uh, a year off season of, you know, building up muscle and all that kind of stuff. He should be a fine starter. So I just don't see it as a place they're going to invest. Um, and even my preference of wanting a really great center, I would rather them improve the guard position than like take what it will probably be league average center and make it much higher than that. I'd rather, I'd rather take what I see as inferior guard play and turn it into high quality guard play i think jpj projects to be able to play guard though like i i think we picked him in a mock i, I pushed for him and i don't see him as he a did. center necessarily like it's he's flexible that's always good yeah all right um let's see nathan this is from rue now that the entire coaching staff has been announced what do the lads think of everybody what do you lads think of everybody uh, well, I'm glad you asked me because I'm definitely uh, able to speak for everybody. Um, uh, I think the lads are quite chuffed with it all. Um, uh, that's all the British euphemisms I know. So good. I'm so proud of yeah, you. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. I think we talked about this the other, the last spot. Um, there hasn't really been anything bad. Um, there have mm -hmm. been guys that we don't really know all that well. Um, we had a Big conversation some of us got yelled at for mentioning the inexperience of the coaching staff uh but uh no i mean I, it's all positive i think there's anything from you know guys that look respectable to guys that are really interesting and exciting um so i think the vibe has been very positive agreed agreed all right um, this is from Eric. Any initial thoughts on how this draft may differ from previous years with Snyder in complete control, excluding the fact that we won't draft a running back in the second round again, God willing. 
I would give this back to Nathan, but I'm not. I'm going to give it to Jeff. <laughs> I think that's the biggest number one. Uh, we know Pete Carroll loves running backs. He's talked about him like every interview possible, but so does John. It's like it's not really like his pet position. Marshawn Lynch was like the guy I started on the Seahawks years ago, and Andrew Brandt told me when he was in Green Bay um, how much John was upset when Marshawn went before them in the first round. So I think they'll value – I really don't know. I don't know. This is why I'm so fascinated by what changes because we've seen so many trends over the years – and we don't know what's Pete, what's John. And this is where, and we don't know the influence of Mike McDonald. And I know Pete's talked about like the similarities between Baltimore and Seattle. I know there's been some, but man, like, I don't know about that. Like Baltimore does not take guys where you're like, I've never heard of that person or like, what the hell? And I know I've talked to people, what they did with Pete Carroll. I don't know if this was a John thing. I believe it was a Pete thing was the coaching staff really had strong influence over picks. Like the offensive line picks were not dictated by the front office. They were dictated by Tom Cable a lot of the time. And not just the picks, the evaluations. I know like the D. Eskridge pick, I think that was done to sort of placate Shane Waldron, who came from a team that ran 11 personnel in the Rams. And I know like Brian Schottenheimer, Brian Schottenheimer, I have talked to people on staff, Ray Henderson's mentioned this, Brian Schoenheimer was against the Nick Chubb because he coached him in Georgia and the front office preferred Nick Chubb and the coaches preferred Rashad Penny. That pick would look a lot different if it was Nick Chubb. So I think the front office is going to have a little more say, but working with an entirely new coaching staff and all the institutional knowledge they have, that I think is going to be a huge asset for the Seahawks. I really don't know. And that's where I'm so fascinated to see what happens because they should have a competitive advantage in the next couple of drafts, especially this draft class where Brian talked about Michigan and Washington and the two most popular teams at the combine. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I wish I did. I'm very interested. Right. And going right along with that, Braxton then asked with McDonald's Michigan connections, who is a Michigan prospect that really tickles your fancy, Brian? There's a couple. The top of the list for sure is Junior Colson. Uh, I, I, not because I think he's the best of them, but because of need slash uh, prospect. I think he he's a hand and glove fit for the Seahawks' needs right now. The the issue is going to be he's going to go in the second round. I'm pretty sure, and the Seahawks don't have a second round pick, so I don't think you end up with a Junior Colson if you do not add a second round pick. There's another guy that will likely also go in the second round that, that's in that mix, which is Chris Jenkins, uh, the defensive tackle for Michigan. I think he also is great. I don't think he is as necessary. I think he's more of the Jaron Reed profile to me that can eat space and be a good run stuffer and have some pass rush to him. And I, I do really like him, but I, I'm not sure that he fills the need as much as Junior Colson would. So this isn't a Patreon question. It's a Dana question. So getting those two players without, you know, don't have not having a second round pick, would that be enough motivation to trade out a 16 for? It depends on who's there for okay. sure. Fair enough. And it depends on how far back when we've done our mocks so far, the, the little trade engines make it either very hard or too easy to do. If you can ideally trade back with Philadelphia at 22, who also has a, the 50th pick and the 53rd pick in the second round. So they have two second round picks. 
if you can move back six spots and get one of those second round picks, even if that means that you have to give up one of your third round picks, I would do that in a second Mm -hmm. um, in almost any scenario. Awesome. All right. Derek Wood says, if you get one pick realistic outside free agent, if you get to pick one realistic outside free agent signing for one year, three to $5 million contract, who, um, who, or what position would that be? I know we're going to talk about free agency, but is there, since we're going to talk defense, is there an offensive free agent that you'd be interested in? Uh, We talked about it last week. Uh, Kevin Zeitler, the guard, Uh, both Seahawks guards are free agents right now. There's a couple other guards we talked about, but I I don't want them to bring back Damian Lewis. I know there's been some clips going around about like how strong he was last year. Like I just don't see a player ascending. I'd rather them find a more stable solution. I think they need to sign a guard in free agency. And they have Anthony Bradford, then I'd like to see him also draft the guy. So Kevin Zeitler, I think because of his age, his price point, and his experience with Mike McDonald, and he's been a Pro Bowl-level player, I think he would be, for me, like the perfect signing. Okay. All right. Nathan, welcome back. We're going to ask Hi. this one of you. Yeah, you do. All right. Um, from Gar, um, with all of the mock drafts that you have done, excluding quarterback. Who is someone you continue to miss out on that you would love Seattle to be able to draft? Says, for me, it's Edger and Cooper, linebacker from Texas A&M. Probably a second-round pick, maybe early. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't... I don't know that there are really guys. I mean, I I end up in the situation a lot at 16 where I've got like four or five guys and they're all interesting and then trade back and, you know, try to pick up someone in the mid round at second. Um, I guess there aren't any guys that I'm just like absolutely in love with at that second round pick. Um, I like Cooper, but like, I'm not usually crying about missing out on him. There's other linebacker options. So I, I guess I probably haven't really fallen in love enough with any one guy to uh, to have that problem. Nathan, let me just say, it's so nice to hear you again. Yay! Uh, was it that bad? Oh. It was pretty it, good. It, it was pretty <laughs> annoying. We'll see if he comes back. Oh, yeah. maybe I'm getting a little bit. Yeah, it's coming back. Weird. Uh, Nathan, I think we're going to have to say goodbye to you for the night. Sorry about that. I'm glad he got uh, one more question in though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was so nice. I was so excited. And then I jinxed it, but, uh, we'll we'll catch up with you next time. Literally the second you said it, it started. I know. I know. It's probably my fault in some way. He's got a little scratch machine in there. This is like sabotage. I got the stupid light shining down on me. Like I'm going to heaven or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. You're good. The you true log thing all makes sense now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that was our last Patreon question. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you all for sticking with uh, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. You too can ask us questions every week by getting access to the Slack channel. And so let's talk free agency. Um, we're going to go through the defensive side of the ball. If anyone missed us talking about offense, that is episode 304. We go through each position group. We grade it one to five on how big of a deal it is to, to address in free agency. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do that on defense. We can do it real quick. Um, I, I'm gonna because ask every position is a five. Five. Hey, well, it's just it, it takes too long. I I, I kind of watched or listened back to that, and I was like, yeah, it's taking too long. So 
let's do this. Dana, you first. Um, you've got safeties. You've got corners. You've got linebackers. And you've got, let's say, edge rushers and then just defensive tackles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are any of those for you a big enough priority, like a five out of five or a four out of five that we need to get that you, you want us to sign someone in free agency? Um, you can pick multiple. It could be, you know, multiple mm-hmm. groups. So my question is, what are the qualifiers? Are we assuming Jamal and Quandre are gone? Are we, where, where are the assumptions? Are we re-signing Jordan Brooks? Cause that's the part. It's yeah. so hard to play that game. Well, so Jordan Brooks is a free agent. So if, if you're saying so linebacker, yeah. like you have, like right now, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks are not on the team. Mm-hmm. So you have no starting linebackers from last year on the team. Uh, Leonard Williams, not on the team. Uh, you have um, multiple safeties. You have Julian Love, you have Jamal Adams, you have Quandre Diggs. You can, in that regard, if you want to say what you think is going to happen, you're okay. fine to say, I think they're going to do this and this, and that makes that position a priority for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I will tell you, my fives on defense are mm-hmm. linebacker, mm-hmm. defensive tackle. Okay. Um, those are fives. Everything else... I'm not sure. I, co- I kind of come into this. I haven't looked at all these positions, so I might change that. But those are the ones that stick out for me as fives. Um, anything other than those for you? No, I completely agree with linebacker. I think that that is, that is just a huge position of need with the assumption that Bobby is not probably not coming back. Brooks is not back, especially um, even if they do. I don't know. I still think it's a pretty high position of need. I agree with you on defensive tackle. I'm dying for an edge rusher. I want someone who can just destroy a quarterback. I miss that. I don't think it's a five for me. I think stopping the run is way more important at this point and that sort of thing. But, um, but that is an important position to me. Um, I'm even if Jamal Adams, which I know this is a huge topic of conversation on Twitter. Um, is released and is not there. Safety still isn't super high. The secondary isn't super high for me. I think that there's a lot of depth there. Um, but without question, linebacker is huge for me as, as is an edge rusher. I, I really want to think the edge rushers. Are, mm-hmm. We're going to take a look at edge rushers. Cause I, yeah. I, I'm curious, Jeff, any, any other groups, do you think we need to sign? I assume no corners safeties, anything on, on your list there? No, it's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry. I think the numbers yeah. at linebacker are just alarmingly low. They went into last year, all three guys on one-year deals. Um, I think just in terms of like sustainably building their roster, which they have gone a little better at, they need to start getting young guys in the building. They need some sustainable mm-hmm. options. You don't want to be constantly replacing starters in free agency. That's the worst thing that can happen. And you don't want to go into drafts where you have glaring needs and you have to force things. So it's mm-hmm. very clear where the numbers are with them. Yeah. Agreed. So we'll talk about linebackers and defense tackles for sure. Uh, I do want to start with edge because that's not an obvious need. You got Boye Mafe, you've got Jenna Nuosu who's coming back from a pec injury and there that should be fine. You should expect him to be full, full go. You've got, uh, you know, your draft pick from last year who produced nothing, but uh, was apparently a first round grade top 15 pick from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Jeff, you're going to say something. <laughs> Just uh, cringing at that. <laughs> no, I know, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, sorry, Derek Hall. If anyone was wondering who I was talking yes. about, Derek Hall is who I was talking about. Uh, 
so you have some players. Boye Mafe nearly had 10 sacks last year. Merge had a big step forward. I don't know that any of them, none of them profile as even really warranting a double team. Uh, right. None of them are alpha pass rushers. So maybe, maybe Mafe, you know, makes another big jump. And from year two to year three, who knows? But I want to go through this group because there's some interesting mm-hmm. names on the edge market. Um, Josh Allen, Brian Burns are both to be expected to be mm-hmm. franchise tags. We're not going to talk as much about them. Daniil Hunter is the guy that comes up next at age 29. This guy had, you know, a ton of sacks has been absolutely an alpha uh, edge rusher in his time. And I'm curious, I mean, they're, they're projecting a three-year contract, 22 million a year, 40 million guaranteed, 65 million total. Keep in mind, Draymond Jones got 17 million a year last year. So this is, you know, this is basically not much more than Javon Hargrave, I guess, got last year. Uh, I don't think there's any question that Daniil Hunter would make a bigger impact on this team than Draymond Jones, much more than a $4 million impact. We're going to talk about Leonard Williams and the likelihood that they're going to need to spend there. Setting aside cap, I know that's ridiculous, but let's just setting aside for that. <laughs> Do you think that that this is where the Seahawks should be looking to add potentially an alpha player to their defense um, through free agency, through a guy that's in 29, like, like Leonard Williams, Jeff, I want to start with you on this. I'm going to say no. And it's because of the coaching staff they have in the system they're going to run. The one thing that Baltimore did is they really maximize guys coming off who are kind of basically street free agents. Kyle Van Noy was, a guy who was basically on the street. He got nine, almost like he was a, a lead rusher for them last year. Clowney was trending to be out of the league. And I think that this is a group that they can sort of maximize. I think what they need to do is have some other guy. They need to spend money in some other areas. I think if they were like the traditional 4-3, kind of what Pete used to do, I think you would need one of those edge guys. And I really like Daniel Hunter. And I've been saying for years they need a game wrecker. But I just don't think paying like top of market money – for a scheme that really elevated other guys and they have some talent there. I think it's a spot you want to try to find value in. Edge rusher is a spot where you can historically find it. Brian like talked about Shaq Barrett before he like became like a $20 million a year player. And to pay him at his rate at age 30, I don't, I think that would be a mistake. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about Hunter that I was reading about was his injury history. And we know that he has had some problems there. Um, And so the conversation was had whether or not he would actually get that 20 million number, that would there be enough of a market for a player at his age and a player with his injury history to actually hit that number. And they were, the conversation was more of, is it going to be closer to 18? And so I thought that that was really interesting because every year we expect certain positions to be high and there's always you know, those, those positions just don't have the market. Now, will he be one of them? No, I mean, he's been fantastic in the past, but you're right with his age and everything. I think that that's, it's, it's a question mark for sure. And that's still, a yeah. still the guy that comes to mind for me as a counterpoint is like Trey Hendrickson, right? Like that's a guy that the Bengals spent on and the numbers aren't going to match up because, because the market has moved since then, but they spent a, a pretty decent amount of money to bring him in from new orleans 
And he's been a massive difference maker for them. That defense is almost built around him in some ways at this point. And so I always do have a little bit of hesitation when you, you don't usually get alphas on the market. And when you get them, um, you got to at least consider, consider whether this is where you're going to add one or not. I don't like the age and I don't like the injury history. For, so for me, it's a no, but it certainly, you know, was worth a, a glance. Um, some of the other guys that are on the market here, they've got Bryce Huff from the Jets uh, getting three years, 16 and a half million. Chase Young is an absolute no for me. Not interested in this guy. They've only got a, a one year, 15 million a year contract. Uh, they've got Jonathan Greenard from, uh, Houston. He's a little more interesting, you know, younger 26, 27 and kind of an up and comer, but I don't think he changes your trajectory. I don't think he's that he doesn't to me look like that kind of guy, but then you start getting into the next type of edge guy. And these are guys that Mike McDonald's had experience with or knows. And these are Jadavian Clowney and Zadaria Smith. Jadavian Clowney, they're projecting at one year, $9 million a year. Zedaria Smith, they're projecting two years, $12 million a year. Do you think do you think that they should be looking at adding one of these kind of players? Uh, Dana, do you have any thoughts on that? Those kind of players, not that particular player, in my opinion. You guys know what uh, yes, about I, I have that clowny chip on my shoulder. I don't dig him. But yeah, I mean, a little depth there would be good. We saw what happened when Nuoso went down, right? Like we, there, there was, it was just a different, a different line. And so I think a little depth there would be good, especially at that number. I think it would be important. And, and you never know, right? Like Mike McDonald could have his eye on some people that we aren't even considering because he's seen them in a different light. And so we can hope that, but I don't think that would be so bad, especially a $12 million deal. I mean, that's not so bad. Jeff, I mean, I'm scrolling through some of these other guys. Um, uh, is it, what's the Patriots guy? Josh Uche. Is it Uche? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, he has some like unique traits. He's not a normal guy. They've got him at only 7 million a year. He's coming off a down year. She might be buying low. Van Ginkle was pretty effective for the Dolphins last year. I think after that, it gets less interesting. Um, Dorrance Armstrong had some stuff that might, and maybe Art Arden uh, Dirty has some inside info there, and and would like what he has to offer. He certainly has the arm length that John Schneider looks for. Are there any of these guys that jump out to you? Actually, I like AJ uh, Epinesa. Yeah, that was going to be one. He's an interesting guy. So he's basically like the inverse of Daryl Taylor. Like he is a run base player that doesn't offer too much as a pass rusher. Uh, Daryl Taylor's an RFA. I can't see them bringing him back based on how bad they were on the run. There he is. What are they protecting? Yeah. <laughs> no. Two years, four and a half million. Uche is a guy. I remember Albert Breer wrote that the Seahawks looked into trading for him when they made the Leonard Williams trade. I'd say he's more, but that was probably more of necessity because Nuosu was out. He's more like a Taylor style as like the edge. He's a designated pass rusher. Um, I actually think Clowney makes a lot of sense. And so does Zadarius Smith. I, I if it was any other defense and they were running like the Pete Carroll system, I would be on with you. Like, don't touch this guy. But what made that defense so scary with all those like simulated rushes was Clowney's just physical stature 
and just how scary he physically is off the edge. Seahawks have some good rushers. I don't know if they have a guy that is just a physically imposing player like that. And what made like when you watch Baltimore when the Seahawks played them, like it felt like they couldn't run a single play because of all those sim pressures and having that like physical freak off the edge really made things complex. And also the thing about Clowney is he's an elite run defender. He's not he's a weird pass rusher, but the Sims help them look more dominant. But Zedaria Smith is kind of built in the same kind of way. He has some like success playing Cleveland. He's been bounced around the last few years, but like having that guy with like the super freaky arms and like that like that physical like where you don't know where the pressure's coming from, just looking at like Clowney or Zedaria Smith is scary. And Daryl Taylor does not scare you. He's a speed rusher. He wins with speed with the first step. I think they kind of need a guy like that. Like Nuosu is just such like a technically sound, good player. They really missed him last year. I think Mafe is a physical, like emerging guy, but I think they can use a guy. I don't know if that's a Jared Verse in the draft, but man, just having Clowney on that side when you watch them play Baltimore. I mean, when you watch them play San Francisco and Seattle, like it scared me watching just like how good that guy was. And I'm much more interested in a guy like that with maybe like a more dominant run player than maybe the designated pass rush guy. Well, the interesting thing with Clowney in particular is that's a guy who I think is signed after the draft in the last couple of years. So you could see what you get in the draft and then potentially still have an option there. I don't know if Zedaria Smith is going to be the same way. Uh, Zaria Smith is a little bit more of a sure bet, even though he's they're the same age, but this guy has been an effective pass rusher everywhere he's gone. He can play inside and outside. Uh you know, given the two, I'm kind of toss him up, toss a coin for me. I I, I kind of lean to Zaria Smith, but I think one of these two guys is an interesting target for the Seahawks to at least kick the tires on. And if they get someone like that, then to your point, edge really becomes something you don't need to draft for. If Jared Verse falls to you, He's one of the guys you and I have talked about, Jeff, I think could be an alpha. He could be a game breaker. And so I'm a little hesitant to take somebody that's going to keep the Seahawks from drafting that kind of player if he falls to them. That's my only hesitation. But in terms of just roster, you know, roster design, I think it makes sense to add one more guy that you can count on here and hopefully somebody that's another reason I kind of would go towards Darius Smith over Clowney is someone who maybe Derek Hall and Mafe and some of the other guys in the room could benefit from um, Clowney doesn't strike me as a leader and, and a guy that's going to be teaching that stuff. So anyway, we'll, and let's be honest, you guys yeah. don't want to hear me bitch for a whole season. about. Uh, Clowney. I, I, I keep forgetting you've got issues. I know everyone else makes, makes a uh, harass you about it, but like, true all i care about is that they freaking tackle the quarterback and and make brock purdy cry that's all i care that's about the I like, read the read the clowny thing the whole thing's talking about mike mcdonald like yeah like the whole, <laughs> God. yes yes like, if it was anyone else coaching i'd say no way well this is a little bit of a detail but the thing with clowny is he, he is expected to take another one-year deal and play year to year that has real challenges with your cap because you can't do anything to spread that out. You're going to take, you're going to have to fit that entire years, contract. Yeah. What, what's that? You could do the void years, but that's never. 
Yeah, I think generally, you know, having a, a multi-year deal is a little bit of an easier, more sound way to 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 balance your cap hits. So um, we'll see there. So that, that's Edge. I think there's some interesting names there. Let's let's move on to interior. Um, and you jumped right to to uh, Leonard Williams there, but let's start at the top. So Chris Jones cannot be franchise tagged. He is undoubtedly an alpha. He is going to be paid quarterback level money, mm-hmm. maybe not top tier quarterback, but he he's going to get poured, paid more than Geno Smith. I think they're estimating like 30, 31 million. That is what they're saying. Four years, 30 million, 80 million guaranteed. Is there any, sorry for hitting my mic. Is there, he's already said he wants to go back to Kansas city. Is there any situation where the Seahawks get involved with Chris Jones? Hold on. Let's keep in mind. He was drunk as crap when he said yeah. that on the stage. on the They all were, but um, I, I, I would never want to spend that money for Chris Jones. I, that's, not with a brand new coaching staff, but that's just me. And you know, I love the defense. Jeff, and- anything from you on that? Oh, I absolutely pay him. I don't think there's a chance in hell they would. I think guys like him are so rare and they're as rare as a quarterback. And I think any chance you have to get a guy like him who's, I think, the top five player on defense in the sport, you have to 30 million? Yeah. He's, 30 that, million. he's that good. He, he won the Super Bowl essentially for that. Yeah. He is well, that good, yeah, but there's, there's no chance. So I don't think we have to worry about it. But if you're going to pay Leonard Williams twenty million and Chris Jones thirty, like, no yeah, doubt. that's the point. That's the point I would make. Is is Leonard Williams is seventeen? He's going to be a Draymond Jones contract at least, yeah. and he's a little older, and he's not as impactful. I, I like Leonard Williams a lot, but Chris Jones changes an entire game every game. So I don't think they'll do it. I also don't love the fact that Jones is pushing 30 has shown a little bit of wear and tear, but I agree with you, Jeff. I mean, he should have three or four more years of dominant play. Uh, He should be capable of that. And if that's the case, then yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would cut other players. I would, I, would I trade Drew uh, Geno Smith for a fifth round pick to make cap space so that Drew Locke could start? And I don't even think you gain cap space from trading Geno Smith at this point, right? So, um, I don't know. I think you'd have. I think you have to clear out a lot of things. I think it would mean you'd have to not sign other guys. You could probably say goodbye to a lot of other plans. But if the Seahawks don't at least have the conversation, I don't think they're doing their jobs. I don't think like this, if Aaron Donald hit the open market and there was no way the Rams could resign him without, could not franchise tag him, it would be irresponsible to not try to land Aaron Donald. So I think Chris Jones is that level of player. Uh, Justin Matabuike, who Mike McDonald knows well from uh, Baltimore. He also, they also made news this week. Um, the, the uh, Ravens GM or president, I can't remember who mentioned that they're trying to work on a deal for him. And if they can't get a deal done, they're going to franchise tag him. So he's not going to be out there. Um, Christian Wilkins for the dolphins. PFF has him being franchise tagged. We'll see what happens there. And then you get down to Leonard Williams. 
so interestingly, at least by PFF rankings, you really go Chris Jones and then Leonard Williams as far as guys that aren't going to be franchise tagged. So if that's true, Leonard Williams is going to be the second most sought after defensive tackle free agent on the market. Are we kidding ourselves that he will go to Seattle for 17 million a year? Is his price potentially going to go beyond that? Jeff, any thoughts there? I think that's underselling the price. Um, I think it's like you said, it's a supply and demand thing. I think once if Chris Jones resigns with the Chiefs before free agency or just goes back, I think he's in there in a market where they have a ton of leverage. I think he's going to get closer to 20 million. And I still think this is his chance to hit. This is really his last chance to probably cash in. I don't know if he's going to take like a team friendly deal. I think, I don't I think 17 is light, especially like if you're negotiating with Seattle and you see what Draymond Jones is making and you say, I'm clearly better than this guy. I'm getting more snaps than this guy. We have to move Draymond Jones positions. That's the floor. So and once you bring other teams in there and now that the cap's gone up and there's all those teams with money that might not have had it, I think he's going to be a hard guy to sign. I think I think the chances of signing him are deteriorating by the day. Yeah. I, I have concerns about mm-hmm. how realistic it is for them to bring him back. Dana, I mean, John Schneider made it sound like they really want to try to do it after giving up the compensation they did. I also, the tone that he said that was, I'm not assuming we're going to. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It just felt like he's like, yeah, we want him. Yeah, we want to sign him. But so does, you know, half the rest of the league. So I think that it's going to be an uphill battle. I would love to have him back on the team. I just think he he made such a difference when they brought him on. And then, of course, the compensation, too, would be one more contract. We'll be like, are you freaking kidding me? But at the same time, I think you guys are right. I think that that's going to be it's going to be tough. And that kills me because that was my number one priority for the team this year was to re-sign Leonard Williams. And like you said, if if they'd done it, you know, right at the end of the season or whatever it may be, but if he hits free agency, it, I mean, it's done at that point. And I'm sure his agent is smart enough to be like, oh no, we're good. We're going to wait. We're going to see what they get offered. Yeah. And it's just, if they don't re-sign Leonard Williams, it will have been a, another disastrous trade. And you just cannot give up that type of draft compensation for a rental player or for a guy that's not going to be effective multiple years. And so the Seahawks are really in a bind without their second round pick this year. The assumption is that Leonard Williams was their second round pick. And if they don't sign him, they just gave it away. They flat gave it away. And that is a massive, massive loss. So at the same time, you can't just say we're going to sign him no matter what, like they did with Jamal Adams, to justify the pick. Because then look what we're doing now with Jamal Adams. We're stuck with a crazy deal that was way overpriced, and he has not lived up to that. So I am not a sign Leonard Williams no matter what guy. I do think you should try. Uh, I think that there's, I think there's a better chance than maybe Jeff's implying, but I think that the the odds are. The odds are at best 50-50 in my mind that you're going to be able to land Leonard Williams. Um, So uh, John doesn't give out big contracts very often. Um, So I can't see how you could give Leonard Williams the same contract that Draymond Jones got for the reason that Jeff said. 
he is so much better than Draymond Jones. And if that means he's going to be a $20 million a year player, I just don't know that you have the op- like the space to do that. Um, so we'll see. There are some interesting defensive tackles in the draft, but they are not the sure bets that Leonard Williams is. Um, so just looking at some of these other guys that are available, DJ Reader, I mean, Grover Stewart, these are... These are not disruptors. These are run stuffing, defensive tackles, Tier Tart, who got benched last year, Fletcher Cox, who's 33, Daquan Jones. I can't believe he's 32 at this point. I just, you know, <laughs> the Jeff, who's uh, half the pod's favorite guy. Um, big 47 PFF grade. Ugh. Yes, he is. He is an awful, awful run defender who is effective as a pass rusher. Javon Kinlaw, not interested. I mean, Shelby Harris, you just can kind of keep going down the list. None of these guys are particularly interesting. Um, And so I think what this means to me is if you don't sign Leonard Williams, the defensive tackle becomes a pretty big deal in the draft. Now you've got Mike Morris coming back who plays some of that um, role. Potentially you've got Jaron Reed, who still will be there. Uh, You've got Cameron young who you drafted last year, but there's a big gap. You need some, someone else. And so, yeah, uh, we'll see if that forces the Seahawks to really spend a lot more than they should. Um, let's hope I, I would rather them not sign Leonard Williams to a crazy deal than get him and have them overpay. I just, even as much as I love defensive tackles, the only guy I'd be like, yeah, do it, take it overpay is Chris Jones. Yeah. Like that's the one guy I'd be like, all right, we'll bend the rest of our, our plans around him. Um, so let's look at linebackers real quick. We're not going to look at safeties or corners. Cause I just don't, I don't think that's where they're going to spend any of their money. So, um, uh, we can talk about it if people really want to, but I, I just I just don't see it. So let's talk about linebackers. Now, linebackers in this list are a little bit mixed because you get edge like outside linebackers. Frankie Louvu for me is like it belongs in the edge group more than he belongs. He's like a three four outside linebacker. Um, but I really like you, that kid. I really that, like Louvu? that. Kid. Yeah, I would be okay with him in Seattle. I think well, he's a good pass rusher. But he yeah. he kind of fits the you know, Nuosu mode. And I just, I don't know if that's what they're really needing. To oh no. For. He was just real fun to watch sometimes last year. Yeah. yeah. He's a, he's an effective rusher for sure. Um, Levante David is, I mean, I, I assume that he's just go back to Tampa Bay if he's coming back at all. Um, he is a, he is to pass coverage, what Bobby Wagner is to run defense. Um, I mean, he still has been a decent coverage linebacker, even at an advanced age. Then you get into our boys, Patrick queen ranked 45th on this list. And then Jordan Brooks, uh, Patrick queen, I think notably is two years younger and has no injury history. Jordan Brooks is two years older and has a decent amount of injury history. Um, Patrick Queen, I believe, was an all-pro last year. Not just a pro bowler, but an all-pro last year. Has played in Mike McDonald's defense. I don't think Patrick Queen really profiles as a off-ball middle linebacker. He is more of a... He can be an off-ball weak side linebacker. Um, uh, but Jordan Brooks can be both. 
for Jordan Brooks can be your Mike middle linebacker, or he can, he can be your off ball will. And so I look at these two guys and the contracts that they're projecting. They project for queen four years, $18 million a year, 50 million guaranteed. And they project for Brooks three years, 12 million, 20 million guaranteed. Huge difference. Um, 12, let's just focus on the APY 12 for Brooks, 18 for queen. Is there between if, if you were only going to like sign one of these two guys, who are you signing Jeff? Probably Jordan Brooks, uh, just because of the price point. I think Queen's a better player, but the thing with Queen is you're it's essentially you're buying a stock at like the highest possible price. And what we saw with Queen was what really unlocked him was getting Roquan Smith there. And when he was sort of like the alpha linebacker, like look at his 2021 grade, it was not very good. And I think Queen's a great player. I think Queen's a better player than Brooks. I think he's considerably better based on you see the price difference. But I think based on the season he had last year and the fact that he's not like the middle linebacker, I don't think it makes sense to put that kind of capital in like the will linebacker spot. Uh, so I think Brooks, because of his versatility, and I think the fact that the Ravens really did like Brooks, I mean, I know they wanted to draft him. I think it's a purely a price point thing. If they were the same price, I'd take Queen, but that difference, I'd definitely go Brooks. Dana, you have any any different opinion? Um, I like Patrick Queen, and if I had to pick between the two, I probably would, although the dollar sign does bother me too because I think that it, it seems a little high. I mean, I don't know. But at the same time, how big of an influence is Mike McDonald on this one, right? You have to wonder. He knows Patrick Queen. He He's worked with him. Patrick Queen raved about him forever. And so it'll be interesting to see if it's just coach's preference between the two of those. Um, but if we're looking at the budget and what they want to do long-term, um, I think if you look at the budget, you go with Brooks. If you want to look long-term, it's probably queen. If they're wrong and queen's price tag is 15 million, mm-hmm. does that change either of your answers? I Patrick. Queen. Yeah. I, I, I'd take queen then. Yeah, I, I think that the reason I ask is because I, I think Queen is has additional value in that he knows what it is to play a McDonald's defense and could just plug and play. And, and so not that Jordan Brooks is necessarily going to be terrible at it, but he will have some learning to do and Queen already knows and can provide some of that to others. I also like the Queen is clean from an injury perspective. I think people as much as it's great that Jordan Brooks came back as quickly as he did from the ACL back. The matter is the guys had a lot of injury issues and generally the best predictor of future injury is past injury. So I think putting big money in a guy that and a multi-year deal that is going to play a really key position. That's got injury issues. Gives me pause. The thing with Patrick queen is he's not, he's just not a, an $18 million a year player. That is a, massive impact player and i just don't think you can spend that kind of money on him 15 starts to be more reasonable Mm -hmm. but even then we're going to talk about some of these other players and and depending on what how accurate these projections are i'm starting to have questions about whether you really sign either one of these guys and Mm. if you if you look at the money we're going to have to spend on defensive tackle if you look at the money that we're going to have to spend on offensive guard, 
if you look at the money that we're going to have to spend um, the on linebacker, I just wonder if there's enough here um, to really dedicate this kind of capital to these guys. Um, so let's come back to that and see, see how you guys feel. But at these prices, I agree with you. Jordan Brooks is the better option. Um, if it's within two or 3 million mm -hmm. and it's 15 or less, then I start leaning towards, towards queen. I think Shiel predicted when in, when he was doing his top 50 prospects or whatever, he predicted 15 for queen. Yeah. Yeah. That feels right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this gets back to the draft. I mean, I want them to sign at least one guy and draft one guy and, they may need to sign two guys. And that's part of what I'm like, we were talking about, like you only got to pick one. They lost both their starting linebackers and they don't have any backups necessarily that stand out. So I think they need more than just draft one and sign one. They're probably going to need to either sign two or draft two. Um, so Bobby, I don't, I mean, love Bobby. I just have a hard time seeing him come back. We've talked about this, so I'm not going to spend time on Bobby unless um, either one of you really want to. Uh, people have talked about Aziz Al-Shair. Obviously, he was really effective with the 49ers, went to Tennessee, has been good there. My evaluation, the way I'm screening these linebackers, both in the draft and in free agency, is pass coverage. Like, are these guys cover linebackers? Because I think that's really critical for how effective Mike McDonald's defense was. Both his linebackers could cover. And Shair's not, Al Shair's not a coverage guy. He is a run, a run fit guy. And so I don't think he's a good fit um, for, for the Seahawks. Feel free to disagree with me. I'm just kind of moving along through some of these. But then we get into some interesting names. Devin White. 26 years old, top five pick has been wildly inconsistent with the Bucks. There's a reason he's going to be on the market. There's a reason they're projecting him just getting a one-year, $7 million deal. He has been a disaster in coverage, so violates that. But some of it has just been like how well he has played the position, not necessarily physical ability to, to make those plays. And he has flashed. He's, he's had some pretty good games. So is this a guy like a Clowney or a Kyle Van Noy that Mike McDonald can look at and say, he's got all the physical tools I need. Uh, let's bring him in. Let's let me, let me make him the next Patrick queen. Jeff, any, any bite for you on that? Like it makes sense in theory. Just the fit is a little odd because we talk about the whole thing, like Shannon and McVay, we got to go up against those defenses. And the first line I'm reading here is, he struggles biting on play action too frequently. That does not seem like a match made in heaven. Those are two of the play action masters. Um, is He's had such an odd career because when they won the Super Bowl in 2020, he was like the emerging guy on the team. He looked like the next great – he was a top five pick in the NFL. And since then, he's just fallen off the map. Like in terms of just like a flyer, he makes some sense. But he came from that Devin Bush draft where they, they were a little smaller – the play action thing, uh, I don't know. I think that's kind of an odd fit. I'm going to go with no on that. Yeah. I think I'm mostly there as well. I think that name is going to get explored, uh, especially with the age and the, the athletic profile. Then you get into some guys that are, I think, particularly interesting. Uh, Josie Jewell, who wore the green dot on his helmet in Denver, so called the plays. Uh, he's older. He's 29, so not old, but older. 
they've got him making two years, six and a half million a year. I mean, that's a third of Patrick Queen's projected contract, at least on here. And this is a guy who's a good coverage linebacker. He is a good run stuffer. He's not, he's not a game changer. He's not a guy that's going to change the face of your defense, but you can run out a very good defense with he, him as your middle linebacker. The next guy on this list, I think I have a hard time believing this contract is accurate. They've got Blake Cashman at two years, four and a half or 4.25 million a year. So under 10 million for two years of this guy's service. Uh, he absolutely blew up in D'Amico Ryan's defense last year as a linebacker. And he has been effective, really effective in pass coverage. He's been effective as a pass rusher. Uh, I just wonder if one of these two guys at, even if they are half the price, let's say that the, 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 they're still more expensive. Let's say they're 7 million a year. You could sign both of them for the price of essentially Jordan Brooks. Are you thinking about that at all? I mean, more is more, right? More options. I I think Cashman ends up back in Houston. I just do. I think that he was really good for them. So I think that they'll probably re-sign him. Um, I don't know much about Jewel. Isn't that interesting? You brought that name. I'm like, who the hell? And then I was looking at him like, yeah, I don't know much about him, to be honest with you, which is sometimes a good thing, right? Like then you're not going to get into the situation where you have a bunch of teams going after him. Um, I think that if you can, if you're not going to go for a top tier linebacker, then the more options, the better. So if you aren't going to go for a queen or whoever, then bring in as many guys as you can. But isn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't this draft full of linebackers this year? It is not. Oh, okay. I think, I think I there's probably maybe, was, maybe, maybe at most five starting quality linebackers oh, and okay. maybe closer to like three or four. And you, so need, you need two starters. Yeah. 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 For you sure. have to sign. You have to sign at least one free agent. There's I think no you have doubt. to sign two. Yep. I think you do too. I well, if there's only five Brock, starter levels. Yeah. I think I'm kind of with the two for one thing here. I think yeah. I would rather like the thing I, I just don't want to end up in a situation where we're looking at this like cap a year later. And we're like, why is all this money? Like, we're like, we've been at safety. Like they need to spend the high profile money in the trenches guard defensive tackle center. Like that's where the money has to go. I'd rather find value at linebacker. And me and Brian, we went through a huge list last year of all these guys that we liked in the middle, like of the class, they ended up just signing Devin Bush. And a lot of the guys we liked, like David Long and a couple other guys ended up having pretty good years. And like, I think this range is sort of the sweet spot where linebackers aren't getting paid other than the top of the market. I'd much rather have a couple of these guys and try to draft someone and have these guys as sort of stop gaps and pay like 12 million, 13 million to Jordan Brooks. Like I see, I want linebackers drafted unless you can get like a guy like Roquan Smith who really changed what Baltimore did. He was, a, unless you, unless McDonald who did evaluate Brooks when he was in the draft, he was with Baltimore. So he's going to know him really well. So they were planning to take him, but the queen slipped to them that year and Seattle put Brooks ahead of them. So, my free agent instincts is more along the Blake Cashman. I'd rather have two Blake Cashmans than one Brooks. Then it opens up the draft, and then you can bring in the draft. All of a sudden, 
You can have a real competition there. You can have depth. You're protected from injury. I think that sets you up a lot better than paying for one and then trying to find the next Devin Bush or something. Yeah, that's that's it's really important. This is why I like these kind of guys better than a Devin White because Devin White is he is high risk, high reward, and so the floor is super low and the ceiling super high. If you can if you can have a high floor linebacker room, I'm okay with that. Is even with a lower ceiling because I don't think. I guess the way I'd put it is I look at Jordan Brooks and I look at Patrick queen. I think there is just as much of a chance that you're going to regret giving them big money as you are not giving them big money. And so whenever I'm in that situation, I'm like, no sign. Like I don't want, I want to put big money multi-year deals on guys that I have real confidence are going to be the reason that the defense or the offense takes that huge step forward. I don't think Jordan Brooks takes this this defense to being like a great defense or Patrick Queen will take this defense. I, I just don't believe it. I think linebackers are really important in Mike McDonald's defense. I'm not convinced that either one of them is Roquan Smith, who clearly made the big difference in Baltimore when he was signed. And so that just has me questioning. If, if Jordan Brooks had no injury history, I think I'd be like, all right, let's just lock in one his injury history gives me a lot of pause and then i look at these guys and i'm like worst case scenario you sign these guys and they're mediocre they're okay starters and you go back in a year or two and you go back and and add more you know um that's the thing i'm not like you won't have you won't have committed that much cap you won't have burned burned things there if you shoot and miss on Brooks or Queen at those prices, you're stuck with them. Like you're in the Jamal situation. And I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm talking, I, I came into this offseason really clearly wanting one of those guys. Yeah. Right now, I'm pretty much not wanting either one of them. That's where I am at the moment. So here's my question to both of you then. So we, we've, I think we all have admitted that linebacker is, you know, huge position of need tackles, huge position of need. Like we have all these things that we need. And yet every single one of these guys, we've all managed to talk ourselves in or out of, right. Except for Chris Jones, you guys are all in on Chris Jones. So where do you, if, if you're not spending a ton of money on linebacker, you're going to bring in those two guys or, and you don't want to spend a lot of money on an edge rusher, or you don't want to do this. Where, where do you want Seattle to make the splash because this is not something they normally do, right? It's not, they aren't a huge free agent team. They make terrible trades, but they're not a huge free agent team. So where, where do you want to see that money go to? Well, line of scrimmage for me. Yeah. I generally don't want them to spend big money in free. Uh, I understand that, that, but if they were going to. That's the basic. But if I had to choose, I believe Interior offensive line is a higher okay. higher return on investment bet for where to spend money. Um, and if for whatever reason they thought that Robert Hunt was clearly a great, you know, offensive Pro Bowl offensive guard or uh, Jonah, uh, Jonah Jackson from Detroit, I would rather them upgrade guard than have Jordan Brooks versus, you know, Josie Jewell. Which is fascinating because the defense was a huge issue last year. You know what I mean? 
Well, that's why you hired Mike McDonald. And I think that you have, I think that Mike McDonald made that defense what it was without necessarily going and getting top of the market free agents. Jeff, what about you? Yeah, that's the thing. Baltimore historically has not made like splashy free agent signing. They're a big draft and develop and find value. And like they find guys like Michael Pierce. And what the Seahawks were doing really well for a number of years was finding these low cost defensive tackles like Al Woods and Tony McDaniel and all these guys. And then all of a sudden they started overpaying for like a Draymond Jones because of they were overreacting to that playoff game and they wanted to get more dynamic. And they kind of got caught in a bidding war when they lost Zach Allen and they kind of got away from themselves. And now we're looking at that contract thing. Okay. He's probably gone next year. They're going to get out of it. And like, it's even weird to see where Draymond Jones fits, but I'd rather just find value in free agency, unless you're getting the top of the market guy. Like what Baltimore did with Clowney last year. I think Baltimore did with Van Noy. Like I think that those are the kind of, we, we talked about it for years with these flyers and you want to find like the undervalued guys. I think paying guys at the top of the market, historically blows up in your face and you end up two years later paying dead money to get rid of them. Like what we're going to end up doing with Draymond Jones next year and Jamal and Quandre getting that third contract when that was probably more of an emotional decision than a logical one uh, coming off that rush trade. I think you want to try to find value. I don't think you want to pay top of market dollars at positions that can be replaced. And I think really what they want in this defense is more impactful rookies I think they need younger because if you're looking like a couple years out, like offensively, they're really set up nicely with all those offensive pieces. Defensively, like other than Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen and Boye, like they don't have a lot of like impactful young guys that are building blocks. I think a linebacker, especially, which has been like a plug and play position, I'd rather have plug and play free agents and then maybe like you can get a junior Colson and that becomes your your big linebacker and you have him on a rookie deal the next four years. And McDonald can elevate him. I don't think you want to be paying 10 plus million for a good, but not great linebacker. Yeah. Two other names I want to bring up and then we'll, we'll kind of transition out of here, but, but uh, Jeff, you've brought up Drew Tranquil before. I know you've been (laughs) shouted down by some, but Tranquil had a pretty effective season with, with uh, the Chiefs and also Willie Gay, Um, you know, Tranquil's 28, uh, Gay's 26. They've got Gay making under $4 million a year, Tranquil making under $4 million a year. And these guys are both – coverage is their, is their ballywick. Like, that is what they're known for. Uh, uh, Willie Gay is a guy that, you know, spied a lot um, in, in KC, you know, going after the quarterback. I think he played a pretty big game against Lamar Jackson in, in the playoffs. And Tranquil has shown up quite a bit. Uh, they talk about here as a coverage coverage backer, Tranquil has recorded 36 stops in coverage since t- 2022. His less than one yard per coverage snap allowed is top 25, is a top 25 mark. Um, so I look at this and I like Blake Cashman, Josie Jewell, Drew Tranquil, Willie Gay, two of those four for under 10 million under 8 million potentially i i'm like i'll roll the dice there but those guys are all starters let's not talk about like they're not backups on other teams they were starters for good defenses the seahawks weren't a good defense so like uh, i'm not convinced that they're not upgrades 
at least in coverage um, over what the Seahawks ran out there the last few years at, at linebacker. What's interesting to me about all of this, and I take Tranquil over Gay in a minute, that just personal opinion, having to hear about them a lot where I live, yeah. <laughs> um, I would take Drew Tranquil. That'd be fantastic. He was really good. Um, but what's fascinating about this, all of this, this whole entire conversation, and this might be too broad for today, but is the fact that we have a head coach that's never been a head coach, so we don't know what his philosophy is. We can assume from what he ran in you know, Baltimore, but how much of that was Harbaugh? How much of that was him? So we don't know their drafting thoughts. We don't know their free agent thoughts. We don't know any of that. We just know what John did, but we don't know John without Pete. And that's the fun of this year to me is that really we can sit here and speculate till we're blue in the face, but honest to God, until it happens, we have no flipping idea there what their priorities are because it's this is the first time ever. It's not like you went and got, you know, a coach that had been a coach with another team and you could kind of glean what they were doing. It's all brand new. And so I'm just, it, it makes me a little giddy. I think it's fun. So I think that's great. And, and before we leave this, I do, someone just mentioned this in chat and I hadn't meant to bring this up. So if you do cut Jamal and Quandre, there is a, there's a few interesting names on the safety market. Um, one in particular that I want to bring up, they've got Geno Stone who played for Mike McDonald <laughs> you know, two years, six and a half million dollars a year. This guy's under 25. He's basically almost turning 25. I think that that would be a really hand in glove fit um, to bring in, play next to Julian Love. You got to, Love is also 25. You know, I think that would be a, a home run potentially. Um, if you were going to make that that change, maybe this is why John's been talking about Drew Locke. There's a limit on how many Genos he wants on the on the team, and he knows he's adding this guy. I don't know. Yeah, I'd much rather have the, that kind of contract than a 24 year old than one more year of Quandre Diggs. Quandre's a free agent next year. Quandre might be a better fit as like a deep cover safety, but you're trying to build out beyond one year. And I, I think if we're honestly looking at the Seahawks, they're not a Super Bowl contender next year. They're trying to establish a foundation on defense. That's what this year is about. And the quandary might be better than him at this point, even, but I, I don't think so. I'd much rather have a guy that you can, you're going to be with that's, that's ascending than a guy who's on his last legs. I don't think for where the Seahawks are, it makes any sense to really have quandary digs back. I, I would walk away from him. Yeah, there are some, I mean, I'm not going to go deep in safety for all the reasons we talked about. There are some players. Blackman's a good player. You know, he's 25 as well. You know, Jordan Fuller, 25. There's some interesting safety names. So if anything else, the reason I kind of brought this up was there's quite a few safeties on the market, all pretty young. And so if you are considering whether you're going to reset the safety position, this is a good year to do it. Um, and Julian Love, people forget that guy flashed crazy range. He was so good last year when he played free safety and was center center fielder. Those those interceptions he had against Philadelphia. I don't know that that uh, Quandre Diggs is covering the kind of ground that Julian Love covered in, in those situations. So you don't necessarily need a, a Quandre replacement. You might have the Quandre replacement already in Julian Love, and you could be looking at you know, who is the Jamal replacement or who's the other safety. Um, and you can kind of pick the best of who you can, you can look at.
Um, all right. So that is our free agent roundup. Uh, now that we've gone through defense, I am going to ask you guys real quick. Top three guys, top three names across all those positions we went through that you would like to see the Seahawks call out when free agency begins. I can go first, give you a second. <laughs> and I, I'm going to be realistic. I don't think they're getting Chris Jones. So I would say, I would say Geno Stone might be high on that list. And uh, then one of the linebackers that is not named Jordan Brooks or Blake uh, or um, Patrick Queen because of what that would signify. I don't have a, I mean, I'm interested in Blake Cashman because I think he he showed some real upside in a lot of different ways, but I, I'm not sold on him or need it to be him. And then I think I think Leonard Williams. I think, but it really would depend on the price mm-hmm. because I just know how hard it is to find those guys, and I also just don't want to have to sit there. I, I don't think they would regret the signing as long as they don't spend crazy cash i think he'll be a good player for them for the next three years so i think those are my three um leonard williams is top of my list still i i would love for them to sign and yeah the money matters but i don't know i just was really impressed with him last year um and no we're not assuming that they're going to get all three of these right we're just they if i'd be happy with these three sort of a thing um I don't know. I'd be pretty excited if they got Patrick Queen for 15. I think that that would make my day. I think I'd be pretty happy about it. If not, a couple of the other, yeah, guys, that's fine too. Um, uh, yeah, they move on from, they move on from Jamal, which hurts me a little. You guys know that hurts me. A little I know. Bit. I know that hurts me a little bit, but, um, uh, yeah, Gino, I haven't really looked at those lower level uh, safeties though, but I, you know, I can't even come up with three. I want, I want Leonard Williams or Queen. Uh, just enough money. I think that yeah. qualifies. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm really good at that. So, yes. you know, I don't Jeff, want both, but either would be good. I'd be all right with that. Jeff, do you have your, your top three? Yeah, I'm going to go Leonard Williams, even though I was kind of negative about the chances of that. Uh, I think not signing him leaves a giant gap and just makes them look so foolish for that trade and, that's the last thing I want to deal with. I know Derek was already owning them for it. I don't know if I could take more. Uh, he's number one. Uh, that's an area where I'm comfortable spending a third contract on. His body type does fit what they had in Baltimore more so than number two for me is Clowney. Um, I think mm. because of the price tag and what we've seen him do with that coach, I think it makes a lot of sense. I just think they need to get more physical against the run, and Nuosu will help. But I think Clowney, if you can use those simulated pressures the way that Baltimore did, I think that made a big difference playing teams like San Francisco and the Rams and having a body like that. And for me, I'd say that that's where I have the third one is Darius Smith. I think he's right there with mm-hmm. me. Um, I'd, I'd rather draft linebacker. I'd rather draft. And then Geno Stone would obviously be right up there, 3B or whatever, but I think having like a really physical guy that you don't know what's coming with the sim pressures and what Clowney did to unlock that defense. Boo. If it wasn't his coach, I get it. Like if it was any other coach, I'd probably say Clowney. Like 
I was trolling all the other guys last year. I can stand Clowney, but I don't know if Mafe and Nuosu can do what he can do physically, especially how bad they've been against the run. I think having that can really just change the look of their defense. I think that's solid, and I think it's defensible. So we are going to do a quick mock draft. How many rounds do we want to do, folks? Four. Four rounds. I think that's the only part of the, the only part of this draft that's probably worth doing. Uh, do we want to make any adjustments to positional need? Let's let's change it to be a little slower in case we want to make any trades. Um, let's just go. Let's just do it. Uh, so think about as we're doing this. We're talking about signing a free agent guard. We're talking about signing a defensive tackle, signing at least one, maybe two linebackers. Maybe you've added an edge rusher, but maybe it's a clowny thing and you're thinking you're going to do it after the draft if you need to, if you don't get your guy. Maybe you've cut Jamal and Quandre and maybe you've signed a Geno Stone. So maybe safety might even be more of a need than what people are thinking about right now. Although Kobe Bryant, there's Julian Love, there's some other options there. So let's think about those things as we enter the draft. We're back to the PFF mock because I just didn't like the way the other one worked last week. wasn't good, and we're gonna try this. PFF has been pretty crappy too, but we're gonna we're gonna roll with it. So here we go. Let's hope we don't get some weird, crazy thing. Okay, so far pretty standard. Um, that's fine. Cooper Dijon, Iron Murphy certainly moving up. Fuaga's up there now. Ugh. There goes Jared Verse, right before us. So they got Jane Daniels here, like twenty-two. Like that's not happening. Well, yeah. So they they have been one of the one of the places that has been much lower on Jaden Daniels, and he has been moving down and down and down. Which is funny because in their um, mock draft, they had him. If you click mock draft, they have him third. Well, and so if you look at the trends, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's going most of the time uh, third pick. Yeah. So I don't think like I'm not even going to say we pick him because that's just too unrealistic. No, that's cool. That's he, he'd be available. I assume the first thing we're doing is we are looking to trade back here, right? Yeah. There's no one here. I mean, if Verse is the guy that you guys want and he goes ahead of you, then just trade it back. Verse is one guy that I feel like it would be hard to trade back if he was there. I feel like he is that sure. kind of player. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Like, if Jaden Daniels was there, he fits that category too. I, I just don't – I don't think that's going to happen. Um, We've got one trade offer. It's with the Chiefs at 32. Let's see. Let's see what that would be. They have the 64th pick. That's a big drop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know though. though. That gets you into the end of the second round. But can you oh, get look, they're higher... gonna give us they're gonna give us an extra third too. See, that would be the only way to consider it because I figure you can get a higher first and a higher second. Yeah, let's do a quick check to see if we could make a trade a little closer. My favorite trade. Let's see Philly. Let's see if we can make this work. Yeah. With the Eagles. Yeah, they don't even like it doesn't even register. Um 
<laughs> I think that's so annoying. There's no way that would have no chance of happening. Let's, but let's, let, let's let's do the Chiefs thing. Okay, let's, let's see what let's, happens. Let's see what happens, right? Um, so we get. Wait, do we we don't even need to include our third. So now what we do? The interesting thing here is this would we would go from three picks in the top 100 to uh four is that right five five so you get five of the top 100 players um seems like we could add some more look at that they're just giving us whatever we want because they want Jaden daniel i don't know what's going on they don't want Jaden daniels the chiefs don't who the hell they want i'm not gonna just keep adding because it's stupid let's just take let's take this um all right trade's been accepted Let's see who they were so excited to take. Latu, Okay. Jaden Daniels goes to the Rams. Holy shit. That would suck. I don't think we have to worry. It's just not real, though. It's yeah, he's not real. Teams are loving him. All right. So, but look how this worked out. Whether it's believable or not, you've got Fatanu available. You've got Bo Nix. Uh, Zach Frazier, who's one of the centers, uh, who people think very highly of, um, Chopper, Chop Robinson, who I'm almost positive is going to end up being a first round pick. You got Penix, you know, if you want to go there, Chris Jenkins all the way down here. Ooh, I think this is Fautanu, right? I think Fautanu is just like the ultimate pick just with the hedge of. Lucas plus uh, plus if Lucas is healthy, then you get better at guard. I think the two and one solution is so logical. And Huff and Grub know him inside and out. I'm a little bit curious. So if you could now see if you could get forty, give up. Like I don't think that's realistic. Um, I don't think I dropped down to 44, but anyway, let's just draft. Let's, let's I think take you gotta take Fatana. Mm -hmm. I just, I, the thing I'm looking at is I think we've got to move up higher from 64. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. But we have, those so that's where picks. I'm, where, where do we think that we would try to do that? Well, here's so the question. Right? About Are this. you trying to get a quarterback here? I think so, right? So then, yeah. And if you are, then are you taking that person here and you're trying to trade up to get Fatanu? I don't think you want to give up that kind of capital for a guard. Right. So what do you, what do you, I mean, you just take your quarterback and you, you stick with 64 and take one of the other guards? I'd probably take Fatanu and try to move up to, for the quarterback mm -hmm. once you know the board. Well, see that I think that's flawed logic, Jeff, because it doesn't matter if you're trying to get the guard and the quarterback, then you're going to have to trade up to get. But is there a guard? Either who's way. the second guard? No, I'm not. So I'm saying oh. you basically it doesn't matter you who trade you trade up for. You have to get the capital anyway. Right. You're giving up the same capital, and then you're giving yourself the option to take a quarterback and a guard. Fair. Um, Are you taking Penix? No, I, I like for for just giggles. I'd like say Knicks or something like that. Do something a little bit different. Satisfy our, our uh, Pacific Northwest brothers down in. All right, and well, let's let's go Knicks. Let's see what happens. Really, can you remember who your head coach is? 
And where he coached. <laughs> we're not drafting McCarthy. I not while my that. fingers You're on not. the button. I'm we're just not, saying. We're not. I think, this is not I think he's gonna go in the top ten. This is I not the too. Seahawks draft. This is I'm our draft. Thinking. This is our draft. Um <laughs> and I just can't I can't bring myself to do it. I just not a fan. Um should we take him? Ruin our whole mock. Yeah, I I I think we can, but I just wanted to think like who are we gonna pause this to try to trade up for? Like if we're trading, if we're taking I think like 39, maybe. Like, so we're gonna be kind of down, like in the try to get maybe Washington's second second round. Yeah, pick. some are 39, 40. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's do this. Let's take Bonex. I trade with you. Mm-hmm. I like that because you get five years of a quarterback in okay. the first round. There goes Batanu. Okay, let's just see. Start taking a look to see what would be required. So, like, this is where we could trade our second and one of our thirds for a decent chance to move up. Yeah. Now, I just don't know. I I forgot to see who's available, but like, one of our guys is gone. So, do we? We can't see. It it doesn't let us see who's who's on the board. No. That sucks. Would you would you do this? I would. Dana? Who is it with? I'm sorry. Is this it is with the Chargers? Uh, so you think Harbaugh's gonna do shit for us? Anyway, you maybe, yeah. Sure. You might like McDonald's. Okay. All right, let's let's see what we get. get Jay Harbaugh on That's true. That's true. They don't they don't take it. So let's let's let the draft keep going. And let's stop it again when we get to well. Let's stop it here. Let's see if we can get something for um Oh wow! All right, fifty percent—that's pretty good. So yeah, I mean, let's try this. Oh, they didn't like that either. Let's <laughs> keep right, going. Let really nice try. All right, we didn't want Jordan Morgan anyway. Yeah. Oh, uh, bastard pick! Ask forty-seven would be so nice. Oh my god! Oh, that hurts. Forty-seven. Oh. Now, see, we could get 47. It's looking like we could get 47 for 64 95. Yeah, I'd probably do that. So let's just take a look here. Yeah, this one won't. Let's let's, let's get our pick. We, will let us do this? No. Oh, come on. Resume draft. Let's keep going. Well, we were taking McCarthy anyway. Talk to Washington. All right, we'll stop trying to do this in a second, but this is a big part of the draft strategy for sure. Okay, 70%. Let's offer it. Let's see what happens. Okay, okay finally. Okay. All right. No, so, why did we do that? We can get Chop Robinson. Yeah, well, we could have got Penix here with Fountain. Exactly. Well, that's the way this this at least is falling. Um, I just don't. I don't think you need wait on your quarterback. No, if you know, especially with the fifth year option. You're right. That makes no sense. Frazier's like a first round talent, so maybe that's your guy here. Yeah, or chop. So you don't have to improve guard. You could improve center. Um, Keon Coleman also I think is really uh, interesting. I am higher on him than Roman Wilson is also a guy. A lot of people are comparing him to Tyler Lockett. Um, Can you start your draft quarterback receiver and not take it? A- You've got your linebackers, Edrin oh. Cooper. Um, Jen- You've got your defensive tackle, Chris Jenkins. You've got 
You start getting your you you've got your junior Colson. They yeah, could have just gone with that Chiefs pick, but uh, I think he's going to go around here in the real draft. So who do you who do you you guys want linebacker? You want offensive line? You want edge rusher? Dana, you have any preferences? Like I don't know, Cooper. Doesn't have to be the name, but just like any position. Yeah, Edgar Cooper is hard to pass up, but um, well. I think that offensive line is still so important. I don't know. Jeff's dying. Jeff, who do you want? Watch. I would take Chop Robinson here. That guy's got like the craziest first step. I don't think there's a chance in hell he'd be. Good name too. I agree. He he won't be here. So I don't think. Oh. But if let's let's try it. Let's take Chop Robinson. I think his first step is like out of control. Okay, I gotta get this moving faster for letting me move faster. There we Who go. Who would have been there at 64? Beautiful. Okay. So let's just see what happened there. Scroll back for a second. So we went up, we got Chop Robinson, Frazier, Penix. Um, Chris Jenkins went at 51. God, if he goes to the Rams, <laughs> they're oh. stacking. Uh and then interestingly, Junior Colson goes at 64. So the pick we traded this- out of. <laughs> yeah, so you could have gotten Junior Colson. I think I'd rather have stuck where we were than moved up. Yeah, agreed. Um, that was a hard thing. Christian Hayes, another yeah. guard, is gone. Uh, so I think you've got to be looking at offensive line here, right? Mm-hmm. Or Trotter Jr. at linebacker. Trotter Jr., Cam Kitchens, depending on your safety situation. Uh, Tavondre Sweat. Have we Ooh. taken a defensive tackle? Ooh, that's the pick. Right? That's the pick. Dana, do you know about this guy? I don't. Uh-uh. He is three. Check out this beautiful b- boy. Six, six, this beautiful man. Six, four, 362 pounds. Oh, he's a beefy. I love that. He's a big boy. Ooh. Um, that might be the move, right? Yeah. That's the pick. All right. Let's do it. That's what it is. We are... We are rolling the dice on offensive line and linebacker, folks. <laughs> well, free agency. Where are they at with those? There's Let's look at the Sanderson uh, right there. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. Liafu. He's a smaller dude, 239. Mm-hmm. Solid coverage grade. That's interesting. Eh. I don't know. Yeah. Not not really sold, but we do really need a linebacker. And I don't oh Tommy Eichenberg. He's an interesting name. I like this. Uh, I like the center maybe here. Yeah. He you like the center. Do you know the center? Yeah, he was supposed to be a high pick last year. He stayed in college and he's apparently one of like the smartest offensive linemen in the draft. He didn't have the year they thought he would, but he was like going in last year's draft, they thought he was gonna like a borderline first rounder. Interesting. Uh, let's take a quick look. Dominic see if there's anyone else. Guard. Well, Leonard Will- Taylor, who we took in the second round, has really fallen off this mock draft. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's not, yeah, there's not a lot of other guys here that are jumping out lower yeah. down. So yeah. let's go ahead and take your center, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to scroll through here. We have a pick at 119. Last pick. 
So I, I feel like you got to take any, a linebacker. Is there any right? linebackers even left? Let's see. Let's see what it it uh, says here. Linebacker. Michael Barrett. Yeah, I think he's the guy. We really reaching taking Barrett here. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Because Chop Robinson's not going to be there. That second round pick has to be a linebacker, I think. I think so too. I think that's where this draft, because you took Colson in that spot. We're feeling way better about this draft. I'm wondering about Christian Jones. Um, like they need a swing tackle. I think I might I might go tackle here. I also how big is this dude? Yeah, I thought he was bigger than that. Um I think I might take best tackle available here. Yeah. Or tight, or tight end. Yeah. You need tight end. I mean this is none of these guys. Also, this is exactly that point where Cooper Beebe. Oh, Cooper Beebe. Oh man, that's an easy choice. Yeah. What's he doing down here? I don't know. <laughs> in unison, you guys said that they're like, "What is like a second round pick like that?" I don't know what he's doing. This yeah, this, like, this this simulator is a little weird. Yeah, there's guys. Is, but look at how he's dropped off. Why? I don't know. This is bizarre. We're taking Cooper Beebe. I don't care what this thing says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got some of the craziest draft values you can find in this yeah. team. This is why this this mock draft thing has been so annoying until the combine. I think it'll get better after yeah. the combine, but that was a pretty unrealistic no, there's... mock. They give us a B plus. Like if we ended up with those five guys, like you're basically getting five top forty players. Like <laughs> no four. I don't think Van Pran is, but like Chop Robinson, Sweat, and BB are probably top forty guys. Like yeah. Well, we're getting we're getting railed in in chat that we should be using Pro Football Network instead of uh, uh, this PFF. We will yeah. try that. I've used that as well. I don't love love the interface on that, but we'll give that a shot. This is pretty unrealistic. I don't think Tavondre Sweat's going to be there in the third round. I don't think Chop Robinson is going to be. Well, he might be there, but probably he's not going to be there that it's late hilarious. in the second round. You're like, he's not going to be there in the third round. They give you a C minus for that pick. <laughs> I know. And Cooper <laughs> Beebe, there's no way he's going to be there in the fourth round. Yeah, that's And hilarious. that's a C plus. Yeah. So whatever. I do like that they got two guys on defensive line, two guys on offensive line, and a quarterback. Yeah, we really made our team tougher, bigger, faster. Yeah, Tavondre Sweat's gonna run like a six six five yeah, forty. Probably. He's just he's an and he's a big boy. BB would be a starting guard for you. Uh Chaub Robinson like has Micah Parsons measurables. I don't think he has his upside, but I think he's gonna be one of the combine stars and <laughs> he'll end up in the first round. So well, we gotta figure it's this starting to come into it's starting to come into shape. I I there's a lot of holes to fill. And, and this weekend is going to change everything. Yeah, it it yeah. always does, right? Like we, we, they, they talk about how, you know, the combine and there's people who don't throw and they don't do this and they don't do that. But for some of it's really for, and this is what they really use it more for like the second, third round. Like, where do you find those value guys kind of a little further in? Cause you really know who the, the big guys are going to be. But, and, and so all of those rankings are going to change come Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I'm certainly NFL Combine is tomorrow. Starting at linebackers and who's the other linebackers and what tomorrow? Pass rushers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
I am definitely going to be watching. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm one of those guys that actually enjoys watching the combine. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. And I think what I'm starting to come away with is there's a lot more to do in free agency than I wish there was. And I, I just still cannot imagine how they can be the, make the jump that they need to next year without a second round pick. Those are the two things I'm coming to, to realization. And I think they're going to have to bargain shop and free agency more. I don't, I don't know that it's going to be the big names. So that's where my head's starting to lean. Uh, we've got a lot more time before that. I'll we've got a couple weeks before free agency, right? Like a week and a half. Yeah. Right at two. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. I think it's, it's coming is it fast. just two today. I think it's yeah. two today. I think, yeah. I think it's two weeks today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We will have to do some live shows during as free agency breaks uh covering who's going where and why um i'll look forward to doing that i want to thank dana o'gorman at dana og and jeff simmons at real jeff simmons for sticking around for a nearly two hour episode of real hawk talk we are obsessed that's why we do this that and for charity you can help Support charities, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up, get access to the Slack channel. You can ask us questions, keep the conversation going, do your own mock drafts. Lots of conversations going on there. And folks, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at hawkblogger. Until next time, or until the next Drew Locke press conference conversation, we uh, wish you all the best. Hey folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the tape morning after articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.